give life. You are love. You bring light to the darkness. You give hope. You restore every heart that is broken. And great are you, Lord. It's your breath in our say amen and amen to that great are you lord and we appreciate that music as we began worship today we welcome you again uh, for our presentation of worship together we pray that the lord uh, would be felt in each and every home that listens uh, wherever you may be whether you're local or you're uh, in another town another place 
Uh, we ask the Lord would certainly bless you and that you would feel and sense His Spirit upon your life. Uh, we hope that you keep up with us by going to our website, rosalbaptistchurch.org, and finding information there that would be relevant for what's going on in the church. I, someone is counting, I think it's 19 weeks we have uh, been uh, out of the pocket in terms of not being able to gather as we normally would. Uh, but we're glad that we have technology in the sense that we can still listen, that we can stay connected in this way. And so uh, we're glad that you're listening to us uh, this morning. I would like to mention a couple families that we need to continue to lift up. And please look at our prayer list uh, as you receive that by email. If you're not on email, we invite you to, to be a part of that and talk to Pam about becoming a part of that. This past week... Uh, we had the funeral service of Neil Mitchell. We continue to lift that family up as they go through a, through a time of transition and loss. Also, Kay Bailey lost her mom, Catherine Keith. Uh, they had a graveside service yesterday at the Rosal Baptist Cemetery, and we continue to pray for you, Kay, and your family during this time. Please note others that are on the list. Uh, some are continuing to rehab. Some are really sick. Uh, you may have received email this past week uh, noting that some of our members and some of their workers uh, have this coronavirus and uh, some of them are in pretty uh, bad shape and we have a number of members who have the coronavirus. Uh, it has reached our shore, unfortunately. Uh, continue to pray for all those and pray for safety for each of us uh, that we can stay away from receiving this. Would you join me in a prayer together? Our Heavenly Father, we worship a God that is awesome in our life. A God that is never failing. A God that is non-relenting. We pray, Father, that you continue uh, to be a part of our hearts and our minds and our very spirits. And Lord, we lift you up today uh, for what you've already done. And we praise you in advance for what you're going to do. And we ask, Lord, as we petition you, to be with these dear families, not only these two, but we've lost so many in the last uh, month, month and a half, two months uh, that are in our church, that are affiliated with our church family, uh, family members. And we pray, Lord, you comfort them and console them. And Lord, they would feel your gentle and tender touch during these days. Lord, we pray that we would center our lives on you in such a way that we can sense your spirit all the time. And we pray, Lord, uh, that you bless in this service, that you would uh, show us the way. And Lord, we ask that your Spirit would convince and convict us of what we need to be about and who we should be in light of Jesus Christ and the cross. So Lord, bless in this service today, and we lift your name on high. For it's in the precious name of Jesus Christ, our Lord, we make this prayer. Amen. Good morning, church. It is a joy to be worshiping in the house of the Lord this morning and to know that you're tuning in with us virtually via Facebook Live or perhaps watching this video at a later time. Uh, at this time, I hope you'll sing with us uh, hymn 68 uh, from the much-beloved scripture, Psalm 23, a prayer that our Lord and Savior himself taught us, uh, my shepherd will supply my need. Please sing with us. My shepherd will 
Good morning, and welcome, a special welcome to all of our children who are watching with us this morning. I'm so glad that you are watching along with us, and I'll remind parents that if you'll go on our Roseville Baptist Children's Ministry Facebook page, you'll find our Children's Worship Bulletin for this week. So our verse this morning is actually one of my favorite verses because it reminds us to be joyful and to be happy. Listen to it. It's Philippians 4, verse 4. And it says, Always rejoice because of the Lord. I will say it again, rejoice. So, we are talking about rejoicing and being joyful this morning. And in order to help me teach this lesson this morning, I've got a couple of friends that if you watched our Vacation Bible School this year, you may recognize. I've got... Mr. Lyon, good morning. And I've got Mr. Dog. Let's see, he's having a tough time waking up this morning. Good morning, Mr. Dog. Good morning. All right. So, got Mr. Lyon and Mr. Dog here this morning. And I'm going to ask you all, uh, Mr. Dog, what do you say when you want to rejoice? Hallelujah! Very good, very good, I like it. And Mr. Lion, what do you say when you want to rejoice? Praise the Lord. Well, that's pretty good. It almost sounds like you got a little roar in that praise the Lord. Yep. Well, very good, very, very good. Well, Mr. Lion and Mr. Dog... I'm going to ask you, our verse this morning 
tells us that we should always rejoice. So I'm going to ask you about some different times and see what we should do during those different times. So Mr. Dog, what should we do when God is with us? Rejoice! Okay. And Mr. Lion, what should we do when we are worshiping? Rejoice. Okay. All right. What about Mr. Dog when we are playing? Rejoice! Okay. And what about when we're working, Mr. Lion? Rejoice. I'm, I'm sensing a theme here, so, so I like it. I like it. What about when we're happy, Mr. Dog? Rejoice! Okay. All right. Now, this next one's a little tricky, uh, Mr. Lion. What should we do when we are worried? Rejoice in the Lord. So we should rejoice even when we're worried. Oh, yeah. Okay. Well, that's important because our, our Bible verse does say to rejoice always. And we rejoice because we know that God is with us always. Okay, just a couple more, Mr. Dog. What about when we pray? Rejoice! Okay. So it sounds like all of the time we should do what? Rejoice! Rejoice! All of the time we should rejoice. Is that right, Mr. Dog and Mr. Lion? Yeah! Yeah! Well, I hope you got a good message from Mr. Lion and Mr. Dog. We should be rejoicing all the time, whether that's when we're happy or when we're playing or when we're worried or when we're nervous. We should rejoice because God is with us. And Jesus is our Savior. Mr. Lion and Mr. Dog, thank you so much for your help this morning. Will you uh, join us as we say a prayer? All right, let's pray. Dear God, thank you so much that you are with us each and every day. And I pray that you would help us to always rejoice knowing that. I pray that you would help us to rejoice in you because you are our Lord and our Savior and you are with us all the time. In Jesus' name, amen.
Thank you very much. We appreciate that. What a blessing to hear those words. What a powerful name it truly is this morning as we come in here to worship the Lord and think about what the Lord uh, is doing and what He's going to do in the days ahead. If you have your Bibles with you or if you are looking on with us, you should be able to view this from Philippians 4, verses 2 through 9. There in verse 2 it says, I plead with Yodia." And I plead with Syndicate to be of the same mind in the Lord. Yes, and I asked you, my true companion, help these women, since they have contended at my side in the cause of the gospel, along with Clement and the rest of my co-workers, whose names are in the book of life. Rejoice in the Lord always, I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. 
Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice, and the God of peace will be with you. May God bless the reading and the hearing and the understanding of his precious and holy word. Having the mind of Christ. We are to be like-minded with Christ. In other words, we are to think, uh, we are to have attitudes, we are to act as Christ would act. Now, Grant you, that's a very tall uh, order to try to fulfill. But this is what Paul is saying here to the church at Philippi. It's what Paul is saying to us. It's what the Spirit of God is commanding us to do on this day. What does that mean? Maybe, at least spiritually, it means that we are to be Christ in His liking and His thinking and in His action, to emulate Him, to almost be... Uh, an identical twin, so to speak. In her book, Dare to Dream, author Florence Littiger tells about a fascinating study that was done some time ago at the University of Minnesota. Reacher, researchers there studied 402 pairs of twins who were separated at birth and reared apart. The research started in 1919, and it went on for a number of decades, and the results, I think, were startling. Twins reared in different, quite circumstances, one from the other, were still extraordinary in how much similar they were, even though they'd been apart. The most celebrated example was a set of twins by the name of Jim Lewis and Jim Springer. The two Jims were separated at birth, but they were brought back together at the age of 40. Here is what happened with them over those four decades. Both of them had taken law enforcement training. Both had taken up blueprinting, drafting, and carpentry as hobbies. Lewis had been married three times, Springer twice. Each named uh, their son by the name of James Allen. Their first wife, uh, their, her name was Linda. Their second wives were named Betty. Each had a dog even named Toy. Both of them had sons named James Allen. Each of them uh, looked as though they were looking in the mirror at one another when they first met. Uh, on their first meeting, uh, they were absolutely astounded and amazed. Lewis said it was like looking in a mirror. These twins uh, were found to have similar IQs, personality scores, electrocardiograms, fingerprints, and even handwriting. As Springer put it, all the tests that we looked like uh, had been taken already once. All the tests 
look similar each to the other. To me, uh, that is absolutely fascinating. Reared apart, but almost identical, not only in their looks, but also in their behavior and even in their personality. That says a lot about uh, our genes, doesn't it? But also about our behavior. That says a lot about the power uh, that our DNA has. You know, when we look at Christ, we should be looking at a striking resemblance among ourselves to Christ. Uh, the longer we live, the more we should become like Christ. And when somebody looks at us, that they're looking at many of the traits that God himself has through Jesus Christ. Before I go too far in this sermon today, I want to make it very clear that I do not believe that men or women are saved by a good attitude. However, I do strongly believe that when we accept Jesus Christ as our personal Lord and Savior, that the totality of our human existence enters into a powerful transformation, and we find that even includes, and most importantly maybe, our attitude and how we live. You see, everything that you and I ever need in our journey is found in the relationship that we develop and that we cultivate with Jesus Christ our Lord. When we are saved by grace, we are given a new heart. We are given a new mind. We are given a new spirit. You see, He changes us. He makes us new again. These people that Paul was speaking to at Philippi were to be reminded of having that great joy in Jesus Christ. It changes your attitude. Instead of always being saddened and having the doldrums, our spirits are picked up and we have an inner joy that comes from knowing Jesus Christ, our Lord. We keep our minds centered on Him. The models we choose to follow uh, dictate how we act in a great way. We can become programmed. We can develop habits and routines these can be an asset if they are shaped by Jesus Christ, but they are disastrous if they are shaped by the culture in which we live and the mores in which we live by there. We find uh, the Christian life uh, all the time mandates that a continual discipline of surrendering our every thought to the power of God's message and who He was about and who He is presently in us. Instead of looking for people to despise and to hate, we look for a way to rise above this maddening crowd and live out the life of Jesus in our hearts and in our minds. I believe it is safe to assume that Paul, if he would give us a list of proper thoughts, that it would presuppose that there are attitudes and thought patterns that we are to adopt in our own lives. I think present tense... In the world in which we live, Jesus would like for us to have a certain kind of attitude about life. And I think it's always important for us as Christians and people of faith that we go and examine that on a daily basis. Don't wait at the end of the month or the halfway through the year or as we do New Year's resolutions. But I think we need to be continually disciplined in such a way that we look at what God would have us to be, and that we examine that and we make uh, corrections where necessary. 
I love the story of that Christian businessman who had retired to California and while uh, he went with his charming wife there. Uh, they were excited about the new house, and every time a friend would come to visit them, the husband would take them on this grand tour of this beautiful new home. After he had shown them the den, then he would exit out the back door. There he would find uh, a practice golf course or a practice green. And in the back room was one of the most sophisticated computers that uh, anybody had ever seen. Um, his buddy asked him one time, what in the world they used it for? And the friend replied, well, we keep it uh, for our shopping list. Now, you and I have the greatest resource in the world available to us when our minds are set on the things above rather than the things below. Again, it's easy for us to move in that direction if we listen to the world and the culture of the world that we're living in but if we study God's Word and we listen to the Holy Spirit, He calls us to look at the things above, the higher things in the world in which we're able uh, to reflect upon. Our minds are made to reflect upon the glory of God rather than the trivial pursuits uh, that this world sometimes uh, offers us. Mark Twain once says that life does not consist mainly in or even largely of facts and happenings. It consists mainly, he says, of the storms of thought that are forever blowing through one's mind. We cannot even remember at the end of the day all the thoughts that are blowing through our mind. Some of those are good, we may say, and some of those are bad, and some of those are just, <clears throat> well, maybe neutral. But our existence is no longer destined by the world, but by the work of of Christ circumstances do not need to have the last word but Christ should and what he tells us and calls us to do in his word and what his spirit calls us to do you see the Bible contains the best uh, self-improvement course that you'll ever take C.S. Lewis was right when he said every time that you make a choice you are turning the central part of you the part that chooses into something a little different than it was before. That is why Paul's instructions to the Philippians in chapter 4, verses 8 and 9 is to make all of our choices based on the right attitude. From our text, you see, we consider the power of a God-shaped attitude. And I wonder this morning as you listen to me, what kind of attitude do you have on life? Is it one that is dictated by the world? and its principles, or is it dictated by God and his attitude? Dr. Willeman shares how the president of Yale University uh, recently welcomed freshman students back to that hallowed ground in a prestigious Eastern University. He told them this, The faculty cannot guide you. We can take you to the frontiers of knowledge, but we cannot supply you with a philosophy of education any more than we can supply you with a philosophy of life. This must come from your own active learning, from your own choices, from your own decisions. Yale expects you uh, to take yourself seriously. Think for yourself. Now, Dr. Willeman translated it this way. In other words, the university has absolutely no clue what you're supposed to do while you're here. However, as we read Philippians 4, 8, 
the Apostle Paul shares the necessity of the discipline of our life of thought. We are not to think for ourselves to do whatever we want to do, however we want to do it. But rather to reflect the Lordship of Jesus Christ, we are not to labor in a kingdom of falsehood. And oftentimes we can catch ourselves doing that. Let me tell you this. To give your minds over to the Lordship of Jesus Christ and nothing will be better. That doesn't mean that we are brainwashed, but everything uh, that we do washes our minds clean from uh, the errors that we find in the patterns of life in this darkened world that we live in. You may have heard this saying. I have this um, printed in, this, in my office at home. Sow a thought and you reap an act. Sow an act and you reap a habit. If you sow a habit, you reap a character. And if you sow a character, you reap. A destiny. This reading clearly and consciously teaches us from the moment that we are born into this world that we are being shaped. And we are either being shaped by this world that we live in, again in much of its darkness, or we are being shaped by God's Word and His teachings in our lives each day. Life is a journey. Which journey are we going through? The basic question before the church today is what thoughts and ideas are dominating or providing the focus of your life? We are to surrender all things that we are and ever hope to be to the Lordship of Jesus Christ, including the thoughts of our ideas. You see, that's where it starts. That's where it festers. That's where we find ourselves descending. When it comes to the thoughts and ideas to shape our lives, God has a better idea. Now, secondly, Paul teaches us that the thoughts of the mind uh, that are produced often are in direct opposition to what the culture in which we live uh, is contrary. In the 1930s, the distinguished pastor and theologian Dietrich Bonhoeffer came from his native land in Germany to come here and put out his shingle at Union Seminary in New York City. He began to watch what was going on over in Europe, and particularly in his native land of Germany, and what he saw really did disturb him. As Hitler decided he could think of his own and he could come up with his own philosophy of life and who deserved uh, privilege and who didn't, and we see it disturbed him so bad that he decided to go back to Germany. He could have stayed in the United States. He was in safe keepings here. Uh, he, was, he was in a place of rest. But he went back there, and he went back home and became a part of the confessing church, declaring that Jesus was Lord and that the Nazi thinking was idolatry. He was thrown in prison. He refused to bow down or to confess his loyalty to the Nazis, and he was killed. Bonhoeffer knew the thoughts of the Nazis were not comparable to the teaching of Paul, and the world was full of evil in that day, as over five million Jews were exterminated. 
Today we still live in a world that is full of evil. The cultural values of Rome and uh, Philippi clashed with the teaching of Christ, and they still clash today. Paul is teaching us that we are not limited by how the world defines our reality. Many of you are aware of the Christian work and witness of Joni Erickson Tata. At the age of 17, uh, she had a tragic accident in which she was diving, and uh, she broke her neck and became a quadriplegic. She has had a ministry of bringing encouragement to millions of people as she has spoken and as she has written in a beautiful way about uh, how God has entered her life as a result of all that has taken place. Her life has not always been an easy journey. As a matter of fact, uh, she shared in one of her books in 1991 uh, that that was the most difficult year of her life. She lost 30 pounds. Her blood pressure had gone up. The pressure sores kept her confined to her bed for weeks on end. However, she said the Word of God, not the Word of the world, defined her reasons for living and for being. Joni might not have had control of many parts of her body, but she had more control of her life than most people that we probably will encounter because she yielded over to the very Spirit of God in her life. Joni has joined her mind in the mind of Christ, and thus her thoughts have shaped the image of God. We thank God for the witnesses of Dietrich Bonhoeffer and Joni as they teach us that we can yield ourselves to the command of our Lord Jesus Christ rather than uh, the things of this world that are trending. Lastly, I'd say that attitudes produce action. Please hear this. That if we want to be the kind of person that God has called us to be, some of us, maybe most of us, many of us need to change our attitudes. In verses 8 and 9, Paul provides a kind of catalog of virtues. He says, whatever is true, whatever is noble, just, pure, lovely, of good report. Then he adds, meditate, think on these things. In one translation, it says, Paul knows uh, to a marked degree, we are, listen to me, we are what we think. What are you thinking? today what are you thinking tomorrow what what usually goes through your brain it dictates who we become so often the body of evidence to confirm that truth grows almost daily have we learned the lessons for ourselves are we what we think sour dispositions create not only sick souls but sick bodies feelings of being unworthy bitter and resentful and self-pity they diminish us to just fragments. A possessive nature of self-indulgence and self-centeredness. They shrivel the soul, create dysfunction within a distort perception of who we are. They blur our perceptives. And they prevent the healing that we need within our soul. The opposite of this is also true. Those who fill their minds with positive affirmations who concentrate on the noble virtues that make life meaningful, set the stage for healing, and they make possible the wholeness that God has designed us to be. You see, 
as we're able to take on these positive affirmations, we're able to shape and mold our lives into the kind of people that God uh, initially intended for us to be when He created us. He is still in the process of shaping each one of us into His image. He wants us to be just like Him. Are we willing to yield ourselves to that? Over 2,000 years ago, before psychologists were teaching this truth, Paul discovered its power. As he says, think or meditate on these things. Things that are noble and just and pure and lovely and of good report. We are what we think. What's in our minds? What do we allow to be there on a daily basis? I love this story. There's a hospital for children north of San Francisco called the Center for Attitudinal Healing. It concentrates on cases of children who are suffering from traumatic diseases or severe accidents that has occurred in their lives that have disabled them. It is a remarkable place with a unique philosophy. Rather than the children simply being patients or victims, uh, needing professionals to attend to them all the time, the children are encouraged to take responsibility for their own healing and for the healing of other children who are there. You see, as a result, the philosophy in that community is one of love and concern which brings healing to all people. In a newspaper article, one person who worked there was quoted as saying this, We feel that much healing takes place by asking the simple question, do I want to have peace of mind, the peace of God, or do I want to experience conflict? She goes on to say, if you want the experience of peace of mind, we will choose to extend our love to others and experience the love that has been extended to us. But if you want to experience conflict, we will want something or we will want to evaluate why we are not getting it. Big difference, isn't there? The purpose of the hospital, though, is to stimulate attitude healing. That enables the children to be able to triumph over their own personal adversity. Even a child can do this. The sinner has a marvelous saying. It wouldn't be a bad thing for each one of us to adopt this or maybe even print it out and post it somewhere. If you can help someone else, you are not disabled. And I don't believe there's a one of us that hears my voice today that doesn't have the ability to help another person. It is a modern institutional witness to the fact we are what we think sometimes we don't want to examine that do we it may scare us to death to really examine what we're thinking we wouldn't want to share that with probably anybody we don't even want God to really know it but he already knows now here is a big word for Christians what we think must always have the shape of the cross about it Jesus makes that clear he told us how he was to suffer, and how the least of these in this world standard to be first in his kingdom. How servants 
uh, would become masters and how the cross was the way uh, for the crown of life. But it is so difficult for us to learn that way. So we miss Jesus and the big message and the meaning if we aren't careful how we think. I close with this story. A young girl, for the first time she remembered, going to church with her dad, who was a pastor of the church. Her dad was Joseph Gotten. And she said, Daddy, what's that plus sign doing up there? I submit to you that the cross does not symbolize a minus sign, but rather it symbolizes a plus sign in our life. For it gives us life, and it gives us life abundantly, and it gives us life eternally to be able to live with him. With the cross as a plus sign shaping our lives, we can live while we wait, knowing that renewal comes through rejoicing. Grace is communication by gentleness. Peace comes through prayer. And attitudes produce action. You hear me? Take on the mind and the thoughts and the actions of Jesus Christ today. Do that, and your life will be transformed and changed. Amen? And amen. Would you join me in a prayer, please? Our Father, help us to spend a little time thinking about the mind of Christ and the mind that we possess, how close it is to who Christ is and how different it may be from his mind. And help us, Lord, that we would emulate you, that we would imitate you, that we would be more like you with each passing moment and each passing day that we can say that we made some progress in becoming more like Jesus Christ. For we are sinful, flawed creatures, but Lord, through your grace, we can become like you. Help us, Lord, that we would be the salt and the light of the world. For we make this prayer in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord, and his sake. Amen. May God bless you on this day. We are delighted again that you've been with us. We hope the Lord changes you and transforms you and that you have a positive, encouraging attitude, one like Jesus, that he gives you a vision from doing great works, that he gives you that joy that just flows and bubbles up within you. Until we meet again, we ask the Lord would take care of you, that you'd be safe and you'd be healthy. Amen. i